Welcome to the Living the Writing Life podcast. My guest today is Peter Burke. Peter is the son of noted writer Howard Burke, whose credits included Columbo, Mission Impossible, and several novels and features. Peter has co-written several screenplays with his father, and on his own has written a recently optioned sci-fi time travel TV pilot, seven scripts, and five novels in the Time Lock series, the first of which was published late in 2022. He also co-authored a nonfiction book with actor Dick Van Patten that was published some 15 years ago. Peter lives in Southern California and is the proud father of two sons and one grandson with another grandson and a granddaughter on the way the first half of 2023. In today's conversation, we'll be talking about the experiences, the experience he had of collaborating with his father on creative projects, the influence his father had on him, both in terms of the writing craft and the challenges of turning a screenplay into a book. And uh, welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Well, this is just so fascinating, the the entire collaborative process that you had. But I'd like to start out talking about your novel. Um, Time Lock is is described as a sci-fi-tinged action-adventure with heart and humor, and the first in a new series of novellas set in the crime-ridden near future, where a bold new technology transforms the justice system and challenges America's moral compass. Now, the novel's based on a screenplay you and your late father, Howard, wrote several years before he died in 2016. But the idea of challenging America's moral compass seems very timely, given the current political climate. Was this accidental, or were you influenced during the writing process by real-life events? Uh I think it really is more coincidental because when we wrote it, you know, the, the current political climate wasn't what it is now. And we just thought it was really my dad's idea. So I give him full credit. Uh, we just thought it was a cool idea and very cinematic. And the real premise, the hook that, you know, that got me very excited and and some other people is that uh, not only is crime rampant but uh, prisons are overcrowded and so in order to uh, really turn the the situation around they come up with a technology where prisoners are instantly aged the number of years of their sentence so you can wake up at 25 and have you know and by lunch you're 45 and so that was the impetus for the story and we thought well what would happen if you're innocent uh, and you have to undergo this process. So that's that's really the story. And it really wasn't based on anything that was going on in the world per se, but it certainly does resonate more now than, than even then. Well, that, that is definitely the case. Um, one of the things that intrigued me about this thing was that you were working on a novel but the, the genesis, as you mentioned, was a screenplay that you had co-written with your father, who has since passed away. So I was wondering, did you feel confident when you were doing this, this transformation screenplay to novel? Or were you a little concerned about being able to pull it off, basically? Were you worried that you might not live up to your father's expectations or even your own? 
That's a great question. Uh, you know, I knew going in, as I've known all my life, and I'm certainly not being falsely modest, that I would never be on a par with my with my dad. He was just a far better writer than I'll ever be. And so that sort of took a little of the pressure off because I knew that going in. But most of all, I had the screenplay to work from, and he wrote probably 70% of it. So a lot of the dialogue, even the descriptions were there. And I just had to, um, you know, elaborate a bit. And I think the key for me was putting the entire novel uh, from beginning to end in first person. And that allowed me to inject some, some of my own personality, hopefully some humor, because as dark as the story sounds, and, and I know it sounds almost, you know, dystopian and depressing, it's actually a fairly light, fun book because in great part, the main character has a sort of irreverent, self-deprecating sense of humor, and he tends to find, you know, it's sort of like MASH where, you know, there's finding some humor even in very dire situations. So that, I wouldn't say it was a challenge so much as it was an opportunity to expand the characters that, you know, that we wrote in the original script. Well, that sounds that sounds very interesting, especially changing it to the first person. I'm I'm personally very fond of writing in the first person, but yeah, um, you know that that does, um, and and I think it is important to have that little bit of a balance. Um, I can I can understand, especially when you you reference Mash, because I'm a huge Mash fan. Watched every episode multiple times, and yeah, it's it's serious stuff. But there has to be. There's always some interjection of some humor in it. Um, now, how long did the process take? when you you know when you decided that the, you're going to do this conversion or or transformation screenplay to to novel about how long did it take you just just to be able to get it to the point where you said okay i think we're done now if if in fact we are ever done fooling around with our own work right <laughs> well it all started when we all began uh staying home from covid you know in a couple of years ago and i thought and I thought I'm going to go crazy if I don't have some you know, challenging project to work on beyond you know, my regular work. And I thought, first of all, first and foremost, I wanted to honor my dad and bring to life in some form something that he and I had worked on together. And we were proud of the screenplay that we wrote you know, 12, 15 years ago, but it was a big budget script at a time where, you know, studios were only making remakes and comic book adaptations and sequels pretty much like they are now. So it never really took off. And to answer your question, I would say from, you know, converting the screenplay, probably it, it didn't, it took maybe four or five months, but then I realized that even with the first person and the additions and adding some story elements, you know, as you know, a screenplay is about 120 pages. The novel version came out only 170 pages. So I thought, well, nobody's going to publish that. Uh, it's much too short. So I wrote an entire new sequel and I bundled it together and, and sent it out. 
And the irony is the publishing company that ended up uh, publishing it, Ingram Elliott, said, you know what, we publish short books that, that are meant to be read fairly quickly, that are meant maybe to be movies. They didn't even know it was a screenplay at that point. So they said, we're just going to go with the 170-page version, and then we'll make the second one a sequel. And so that's that's why the book is, you know, you can read the whole thing on a on a cross-country flight. But, um, you know, with their edits and rewrites, and, and they had great comments and edits and editors, you know, it was a full two years before the book was actually published. But it was totally worth it because... You know, it, they made it that much better. Oh, that, yeah, that I, and I was not uh, aware either that some publishers were looking for shorter pieces. So that, you know, that's really interesting. Well, most um, of them aren't. This is their, their imprint that's called Snaps. And they're very much looking to translate some of their books into movies or, or TV series. So they wanted it short and, and and screenplay ish, <laughs> and then they were happy to find out that it already did exist as a script. So it's, they've been wonderful. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where everything. Um, okay, what line is it from? Don't you love it when a plan comes together? You know who I mean. Yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't um, think of the series. You know who I mean, though. Yes, I do, and it's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> But yes, yeah, so the plan came together. Um, so let me ask you, what are, for those people who might be, maybe they've got a screenplay sitting there and they're thinking, ah, maybe I should turn this into a book. What are, or what were the challenges that um, you had to deal with doing that, making that transition? Well, again, I was very lucky because I had my my dad's terrific writing to go by. So uh, honestly, a lot of it was just just cut and paste because it, it existed. I didn't want to rewrite, you know, great dialogue. Um, I, as I said, you know, opening up to first person was was the key to me. Uh, and again, I wouldn't want to say that it was a horrible, you know, huge challenge. It was it was enjoyable. I like you. You know, you're a writer and and you you can't wait to sit down and, and write and it's, sometimes it's torturous and sometimes it's rewarding but either way it's you can't wait to to be in, you know doing it so that's how i felt and that's why i decided to write three sequels beyond these first two but honestly nancy it really as corny as this sounds i i it was really all about as I said, honoring my dad to be able to be talking to you and and about my father and his work because we were incredibly close, not just you know professionally, but I'm an only child and you know we just have had a very close relationship and and I lost both my parents you know within a few months about six years ago. So to be able to be talking about it and and have people say, oh, my God, I, I I just saw one of your dad's Columbo's like a month ago. Uh, what a coincidence. And just to be talking about him is means more to me. If the book sells 10 copies or 100,000, 
that that isn't as important as as honoring you know his memory and his talent well i think that's that's wonderful and it's you're right sometimes you know a lot of times i think uh it's not so much the sales it's what the project represents whether it represents like in your case honoring your father whether it represents um exploring a topic that might not be getting enough attention and you just want to make that connection with readers you know whatever it is it is i think that is what keeps most of us writing is because you know we have a greater reason or you know a greater goal other than gee i can't wait till i get a royalty check and can cash it you know it's it's about doing something bigger about about um making a, a deeper connection between you know between ourselves and the readers but also perhaps linking to other people in our lives and it's um it, you know it, it makes it worthwhile don't you think no i i think that's beautifully put and i couldn't agree more and writing is also something that you can't age out of I mean, you know, you're just not an issue for you because you're much, much younger. But you know, <laughs> I'll listen to you. <laughs> no, but I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in this in the senior world, and but if somebody reads this book, they don't know how ancient I am. It doesn't. If they like <laughs> it, they like it. It's not like being a athlete or a dancer or something where you know you have a limited time. My dad was wor working on a book uh, at ninety three. You know, and and so that's the one of the beauties of writing is, uh, you know, it, it, as long as you have the passion and the, the ability, it, nothing, age can't really stop you. And there aren't many things you can say that about. In fact, one of the funny things, if I can digress as long as I'm on this topic, as I've said several times, the book is entirely written in the first person. And the story is the um, 23 year old who's wrongly arrested or wrongly sentenced to a, given a 40 year sentence. He's going to be aged 40 years instantly. He manages to escape. So he spends the rest of the book at 43. And I'm writing this whole book, you know, from his perspective, like, woe is me. Look at, I can't believe I'm a middle-aged man at 43, blah, 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 with some humor. But, and all I'm thinking is I would pay serious money to be his age, you know, 43. Wow. That sounds great. But I had to write it as if, you know, from a 23 year old point of view. So anyway. Yeah, that, that is funny. It had to be, a little, and, it's, and I have to say, as one senior to another, I am uh -oh. in that demographic. But yeah, I mean, that that has to be, um, you know, the time, the, the whole time change thing is is one creative issue. But then when you're writing it, and you're older than your character, no matter which part of, of his life he's working on, I mean, yeah, you start getting a, a little, just a little, a little strange there to make the connection. And I think that's where we really have to call on our imagination and also put ourselves back to when we were 20. And, and, you know, I find that fascinating that your character has aged 
you know, and now he's 40. Okay. But in his head, he's still 20. So it, it is, that had to be really a bit of a challenge to maintain that 20 some year old attitude and put that in a 40 year old body, you know, just to make it believable. So I, I have to really give you kudos to pull that off. Cause that's not a challenge I would particularly want to undertake, you know? Well, there were times I wanted to yell at, at Morgan, the characters, what, stop complaining. If you're going to look back and think 40, my God, that was great. But, um, as I said, we we really didn't want right from the beginning of the in the screenplay version and certainly in the book, we didn't want this to be depressing, you know, and at all. And in fact, uh, it's or even particularly science fiction ish. There's very you know obviously the premise is sci-fi and the technology, the genetic acceleration technology and and all that is a little. Logan's run meets the fugitive kind of thing, but it's really a personal story. And it's also a love story, a very unlikely love story because he teams up with the woman, the FBI agent who arrested him. And, but what I was going to say is that as difficult as it is for him to be on the run and, and bad guys chasing him and the whole program, you know, maybe totally screwed up and all of this going on. He actually, in the end, I wouldn't say he's grateful, but he actually matures into a better form of, of himself. He looks back after everything that happens and says, you know, I'm not sure I would still like the 23-year-old me anymore. And he's, he's sort of grounded by the experience. So, And that's just in this book. And, you know, the sequel resolves everything even, well, I don't want to, go into it but it takes the story full circle but the one thing i as i said we absolutely didn't want this to be about you know depressing it's it's a it's a pretty light book given the story it's it's i mean it just sounds so fascinating it really does you know with all, with all the different elements in there um I did want to talk with you about the the creative collaboration you had with your father. You know, you you two have worked on, you know, I don't know how many projects you you did, but what was what was the collaborative process like? Did you two have similar strengths or more complementary ones? Um, he was he was much more literate. You know, he uh, much more patient. I, you know, I, there were times he would deliberate over a, you know, a single line of dialogue for, for 20 minutes and, and it would always be worth it. And I, you know, being younger and less patient and le- a bit less intellectual because he read everything and he knew so much, you know, I would kind of jokingly say, you know, it's time to move on. And that happened once in a while. And then I realized he was right to take the time because it made him a much better writer for himself and certainly better than me. Uh, I think, you know, where my main contributions came in uh, were probably some elements of story and, and probably humor. Um, and not that he wasn't funny, uh, he really was. 
and we would sit side by side. I mean, he, you know, he certainly took the lead and with my blessing, you know, there's no way I would presume to, to do that. Um, and we just sit there. I mean, there were times he was living a, a, across the country, obviously, and this was before Zoom and all that. So a lot of it was on the phone or sometimes we just each take a few pages and then, you know, see how try to merge them. But the best collaborations, of course, were just literally sitting by side by side. And sometimes I just sat there and watched in awe. Sometimes I spoke up. We rarely disagreed because, you know, he he was a published, successful, award-winning writer. And, you know, who was I to, to challenge that? Not that he would have minded, but it just really was smooth as silk. I never felt intimidated personally. He was, you know, we were too close. It's not like he would be judgmental or anything, but I certainly knew I was working with somebody, you know, who was a, just a better writer. So I, I deferred to that happily. In, in one interview, you, you said that bringing the projects my dad and I wrote together to life in this series of novellas is easily the most gratifying work I've ever done in my life. So um, I'd like to ask you a little bit, just you know, broadly, the influence your father had on you, not only the influence on you as a writer, but also as his son. Um, what did you learn about the craft of writing and about life in general uh, in the process of this collaborative uh, arrangement you had? I think a lot of what I was just mentioning in terms of taking more time and and really doing some more research and 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 he was excellent in terms of structure and you know, laying everything out very methodically as, as the best writers do. And he had to do that, especially in writing a Columbo or a Mission Impossible. You know, it wasn't just going off on your own whim as a writer. You had to follow a certain formula. Everybody had to have their own arc and their own activities. They all had to wrap up at the same time. Columbo had to be very clue heavy and and all of that. So, you know, he was like, a, you know, a director doing storyboards in advance. He didn't actually do storyboards, but he had it very much laid out. And as where I used to, in my early days, just sit down and start writing. And sometimes that still works. Once in a while, I, you know, it, it, it just flows. It doesn't mean it's great, but it, I just need to put something down and then come back. But I tend to really map things out much more, you know, than I used to and be much more uh, methodical about it. So I, 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 to really try to know what I'm talking about and do enough research and differentiate characters and all that. I'm some, you know, I'm no, nowhere near achieving that level. And I'm, you know, too old to probably ever get there, but I'll keep trying thanks to his influence. Do you have a, a desire to collaborate with anyone else, given that this was a, a very positive uh, experience that you had? Uh, I, 
I'd be happy to. I, I have collaborated with with uh, my youngest son and I wrote a screenplay that we're sending around right now based on a story by his his wife, who's, as you mentioned at the beginning, uh, uh, soon to have one of the two other grandchildren we have on the way. Um, and that was great. We used to, he lives close, but we used one of the screenplay, you know, where you each see, where you see what the other, you know, you're sharing the, the, the screen. And that was terrific. I would do it. Uh, sure. I'd, I'd work with any, anybody uh, at any point. I have no illusions that, you know, I can only work when I'm alone or anything pretentious like that. I'll happily, and I used to write with, with, in my miserable public relations jobs a million years ago. Speaking of MASH, um, I have a, a good friend. He and I worked together in two, two PR agencies, and we were utterly miserable. And I'm certainly not going to compare that to the Korean War, because obviously not, nothing the same. But we did fancy ourselves as as you know, Hawkeye and Trapper a bit, and we would sneak off and work on scripts and always hoping, you know, one of them will get us out of here. And of course, that never happened. But, you know, we had a blast collaborating and it was our only way to stay sane in, in a crazy environment that we didn't want to be in. So totally open to collaborating at any point. It'll never be the same as, you know, working with my dad, but uh, but it's a fun process. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, th I think that's so interesting that now you're you're doing it with your son. So, you know, I'm not that familiar with with your son's work or anything, but it's kind of like now you've become the senior in this project and he's become the junior. So it's um. Yeah, I, I think that is uh, that's going to be what do we got here? A Burke dynasty going on or what? Well, he's actually ironically, he ended up doing what I set out to do. His name is Daniel and he is doing very well as scoring you know, movies. And he just had something on Netflix. He's got and that's what I started out to do. So I'm glad somebody is doing music. The writing for him is sort of a just a fun side thing. Music is his his career. But my older son, Jordan, uh, totally surprised me for my birthday, I think of last year, um, in, at the end of January. And the gift he gave me, which I had no idea he was working on, is that he wrote a novel. And I had no idea he was working on it or had any inclination. I mean, he's, I, I, it's not what he does for a living. And I was a little nervous reading it because I knew, you know, what if I don't like it? I'm still going to, and it was brilliant. Uh, so also science fiction and better than my book. I mean, it's really good. So uh, I'm the least talented in the, in the family. Uh, but that's, that, that we can say I'll, <laughs> for sure, but uh, it doesn't matter. I'd rather my kids, you know, be great and I'll just be good, hopefully. Ah, oh, Dad, you're so nice. <laughs> I mean, it, I really well, you know, I, I do want to ask, you know, because you have done so many different kinds of projects and you had mentioned that 
you know, you've got more planned in this time lock um, series. Is there something about the science fiction genre that draws you to it? Was, was this always an interest uh, for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, always a, one of my happiest memories. My dad wrote a lot of shows that were filmed at Paramount in the late 60s and early 70s. And I'll never forget going on the set of uh, Star Trek and, and, you know, what a thrill that was. And then... By coincidence, uh, my wife's best friend ended up marrying uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy's son. So, you know, there was this Star Trek connection. And then my dad at one point was invited to uh, to a meeting to talk about the first Star Trek movie, not the one they ended up making at all, but it was before Star Wars. So they nixed the project. And then so sci-fi has always, you know, been been a, a love of mine and not the only thing I've written, you know, teen comedies and things completely different, just like your books are, you know, some of them are 180 degrees different from the others, but, but yeah, I, I like, I do like the genre and I wrote a TV pilot. That's, that's a time travel ish. Um, but it's not my only, my only interest at, at all just so happens for this series uh, you know it made a lot of sense to stay in that genre I think sometimes too when we um, write in different genres whether it's fiction and nonfiction, or even if we stay with fiction but you know let's do some science fiction let's do some comedy whatever Sometimes I think that's actually good for us. It's 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 like I liken it to exercise where you do cross training because it you know you 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 play with comedy or writing a comedy piece in a different way than you would say do a drama, but it just it just expands our abilities rather than just staying. You know, not that people can't be very, very good if they just stay in their lane. I've never been any good at staying in a lane. But, you know, I, I think sometimes that that allows us to develop other aspects of our writing ability. Yeah, no, as you're absolutely right. Um, and it all starts with not with the story and the characters. And, and sometimes, you know, I don't go into it saying I'm going to write a you know, sci-fi story necessarily. It's, and it's trying to find, you know, a way to tell, to, to explore a genre, maybe in a different way. Um, you know, these, this time travel uh, pilot that I wrote, which, you know, who knows if anything will happen with it, but I thought, oh my God, time travel has been done so many way, times, you know, people go forward, people come back, people from the past go into, the, and I thought, what haven't I seen? And, and so I came up with a story where uh, Washington DC through, as a result of a, bl a black hole is split into two side-by-side -side time periods, but they're right next to each other and you can cross between them. So it's Abraham Lincoln giving a live TV address. Uh, it's an escaped slave finding out about Obama when he comes to the president. So, you know, I hadn't seen that. So 
So I wrote that up. And again, I don't know if anything will come of it, but I like the idea that, okay, I'm, you know, that's maybe a little bit different. Um, but I've also written things that have been done a thousand times and, and, and better. So you never know. Yeah. I mean, you, you never do. And sometimes it can be um, just in the process of writing it itself. It can go off in a direction that maybe we hadn't hadn't expected, which makes it even better. You know, it's like, oh, look what happened. I mean, sometimes, you know, I don't know if, if, if it's ever happened with you, but, you know, sometimes I'll be writing something and the character will say or do something that I had no idea that was coming. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like they're real and they did something and I'm like, oh, okay, gee, if that, that was much better than anything I could have thought of, even though, yes, I thought of it, but, but it's almost like, like it happens on its own. It happens very organically and you just kind of sit there and hope you can, can catch up to wherever the character's going and whatever the character is doing at that time to make it real. And that, that's such a great feeling. I mean, I know it feels a little Twilight Zone-ish. In fact, there was an episode like that, I think, where characters come to life. But I found, it's funny you should say it, I mean, I was writing a scene for one of the, the books uh, with, the, uh, with our hero and the bad guy. And I actually found myself like cursing at, not out loud, but at the, at the villain saying, you, you know, you, how could you... How, you know, whatever I said, like you rotten so, And I'm thinking, oh my God, I made him do that. What am I mad at him for? And, and you know, you, you cross into these bizarre little, uh, you know, alternate universes where, but I think that's healthy. That's actually, that means you transcended. It's like watching a movie and you forget that, that, it's impossible that a dinosaur would, you know, be crossing a freeway or whatever. And then that's the whole point is you're supposed to, you know, submerge yourself into the, the fiction and, and believe it, you know, and we have that amazing capability. I mean, you know, probably if aliens saw us watching movies and accepting that there's a full orchestra playing music during a chase scene, and, you know, all the things that we just accept or that we accept that the same actor is, is, you know, who we just saw running for his life is now, you know, singing and dancing in the next movie. I mean, but we we need that escape, I think. And I think and it's very rewarding as writers if we can provide that for others and sometimes even for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. I mean, I've I've had that that happen with me where it's it's like by the time I will finish writing something, I almost understand something unrelated to the work, but maybe something in real life that I experienced by by seeing what my character did. I mean, it, it you're right. It sounds very Twilight Zone-ish, and you know, people who aren't in the creative field probably think we're nuts, but it it is it's 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 just such a different thing I, it's um i i'm obviously a seat of the pants writer because you know my i mean yes i make notes and everything so that i can keep track but it's like if i have to sit here and totally 
plot it out and outline it out and say, this happens, this happens. And then this is the end. It's like, well, what fun is that? You know, um, there's been so many times, at least for me, that when, especially writing short stories, where I get to the end of the story and I'm like, wow, I didn't see that coming. You know, I mean, but yeah. but it works so much better than anything I could have come up with, even though I came up with it. Which no, is I know. It's like the characters want want to join you in the process and or take you somewhere you, you, you know, you didn't expect to go to. And that's great. And I think being a little nuts is is a beautiful thing in life. I mean, you can't be grounded in absolute reality every second of, of every day. Uh, to me, that would make me really crazy. You got to escape a bit. Uh, and if you can create characters that take you with them occasionally, that's so much the better. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I am, I am curious because you've written, you know, novels, screenplays and everything are, does your process change depending on whether your your creative process, depending on whether you're working on a screenplay versus a novel, or is it pretty much the same and it's just a different format? Um, yeah, I mean, I, screenplays, I find, well, in, this, in the case of Time Lock, as I said, the book was based on a screenplay, so that that made it easy. Uh, easier. I really enjoy both. Um, I can honestly say that one is more difficult. I, I think when I'm writing a screenplay, uh, though, I am much more aware of the commercial aspect, you know, and how difficult, not that getting a book off the ground is easy at all either. But, you know, I know how especially hard it is it, at times, it, even for my dad, you know, to, to get uh, script off the ground so I'm, I feel a little more pressure and tension and a little bit more self-conscious like you know somebody's gonna not like this or not think it's good enough because uh, when my dad was first writing in the in the 60s they, the studios and the producers tended at least as he explained it to be more patient, they were more willing to work with writers and you know go go over things and and certainly that happens today. But but over the years, it seemed like if you had to change anything, they would just reject it. It's like, wait a minute, I'm willing to rewrite the whole thing. Well, why can't we talk about it? I mean, there were times where I've had a script rejected that I could have fixed what they wanted in a day or tried to but it, if it wasn't like ready to shoot they, they just didn't have the patience you know sorry we were looking for something else as where with a a good publisher i think they'll you know they'll go back and forth many times and i, I don't know i i just so i generally enjoy the novel form more but i failed equally in both so you know um, and neither is easy. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting you talk about failure because I always like to wrap up my interviews 
with the uh, with the consistent last question. And my question for you is, what is your personal definition of success as a writer? Well, it's certainly not monetary. Wonderful as that is, in this case, as I said, it's all about my dad. Um, but in general, it's just validation from you know people whose opinions you you care about that they like it and appreciate it. I, I think, and again, that sounds Hallmark card ish, but but it's true. I mean, yeah, would I turn down a big fat you know payday? Of course not. But um, really, you know, just having my own kids uh, say they love the book or whatever, or that's, you know, it's hard to com com uh, compare with that. I mean, so honestly that this book in particular, not just because my dad, but because I've spent so many years, decades, you know, doing work I really didn't want to do as I alluded to earlier, um, that somebody finally said yes. In this case, this wonderful small publisher, Ingram Elliott, and they, and they actually, you know, it was like, okay, that's that's it. I'm, I'm, I can, if, if nothing else happens, somebody finally said yes. And, you know, I think that's probably the long-winded answer to, to the question. Sorry for babbling on. No, I think I think that is that's an excellent answer, especially uh, my answer was longer than, uh, than the book. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. It's it's when somebody says yes, whether they, it's the yes is yes, we'll publish you. Yes, I'll read your book. Yes, I got what you were trying to say, you know, in the book. I mean, all those yeses, because you know, in the creative field, it seems like the no's tend to outweigh or, or you know, there's more no's than yeses in our industry. Sometimes the no's come from outside and sometimes the no comes from inside of us. But when we get that yes, you know, it's it's just a wonderful, just a wonderful feeling. And, and it, it's very encouraging. And you've had a lot more yeses than most and certainly more than me and well-deserved. Uh, I think the hardest, it's, the no is bad enough, but the no without any explanation is the worst. Uh, it's like, at least tell me why in some detail, rather than it, we're t if I hear this or read this phrase, we're taking a pass, I want to scream, you know, tell me why, tell me it stinks, sucks, worst thing you ever read, you, you can't believe a grown man wrote or a woman wrote this piece of, you know, okay, I, I can deal with that, but just we're taking a pass. I'd like to take a, you know, yeah. that, it, it's, 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 it's a lack of appreciation of all the effort that went in. It's, it's fine if you don't like it, but at least give us the courtesy of saying why. That's all I ask. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you there because we, you know, there's so many, so many different reasons why something could be rejected. It could be rejected because 
it's no good. It could be rejected because they just accepted something very similar. It could be rejected because they were having a really lousy day or they don't like, they personally don't like that genre or that topic or it hits too close to home or whatever. And if we don't know that, then I, I think, unfortunately, because we are basically insecure people, we tend to think you're saying no because I'm terrible as a writer, you know, and that's that's rarely the case. You know, it's it's just it just wasn't meant to be. And we just have to keep moving on, moving on to the next next name on the list and try not to take it personally, which is almost impossible not to. And, you know. And a good rejection, good meaning, you know, helpful, is is very worthwhile. I, I look back on some of the rejections I've gotten and and I where they actually took the four minutes to explain why. And I look back now and said, yeah, you know, they were right. But because they explained the rejection, it hurt at the time. But that's, you know what? They're absolutely right. I wouldn't have bought that. At that, at that point either mm-hmm. just just acknowledge our existence that's all we ask you know. absolutely no no you're right well listen i have really enjoyed having you on the show i mean this, this was a fascinating you. discussion for so many reasons and i wish you a lot of success with the time lock series and all the other projects that you're working on Thank you. And I know you have a million things going on, too. So we'll be in touch. And I can't thank you enough. Well, it was it was absolutely my pleasure. I, I mean, I, I, you know, one of the things that really drew me to doing this interview was because of the relationship with you and your father and that touched a chord with me because, you know, I had lost my dad and we were very close. So. So, you know, I mean, it's it's just one of the benefits of doing the podcast is it allows us to get personal about the life that we lead and the people who are in our life that have influenced us. So, but thanks again for being on the show and, and thanks to everybody who joined us here at Living the Writing Life. Take care.